Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The Cues stands for questions. We got some great listener questions that we just sort of re-upped on Twitter and Patreons. We got some fresh questions we're excited to tackle. And the news. Oh, Ken, I'm so excited for the news because it has Obi-Wan and toys in it. This is my whole thing, right? Now today. Little Joseph gets his wishes. It's good <laughs> morning, Joseph Scrimshaw, yeah. Um, cool stuff. You know, that's what I love. Even when you think there's a little bit of a less intensive Star Wars news week, there's some fun things to uh, talk about and, and go into. And we're going to go into that in a bit. But we always want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. 
Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And that includes the iPhone 12 Pro, now with mind reading technology. So a little <laughs> bit later, we'll have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, uh, I have not picked up the uh, iPhone 12 Pro. I imagine that's not your life adventure either. No, that is not my life adventure. Uh, my broken down old iPhone 7 and I... Uh, <laughs> Had a lovely weekend. Uh, my wife and I and my phone that barely works uh, went to Descanso Gardens, which I highly recommend to anyone in the Los Angeles area. Big, uh, open, it's kind of a park, but it's really like actually a little bit more of a nature botanical reserve is what it was set up for. So it's got all these uh, different sections of different kinds of trees. It has a rose garden and the spring or whenever lilacs are. <laughs> not, this is not Lilac Center. Uh, those are there. That's all great. Um, they've got this sen- uh, section called Ancient Forest uh, that mm-hmm. I've talked about uh, before, which is basically like um, the trees that would have been in this area in ancient times. But it's basically uh, it's a combination of Endor, Twin Peaks, uh, the Genesis planet from Star Trek. It's just beautiful and it's peaceful. So it was great. My wife and I sat there uh, and she was just kind of writing some notes in her journal and I was writing down some uh, story ideas and it was great. It was basically just like a little writing retreat to Endor. So that was like a kind of life adventure. And then uh, we quickly stopped at a Target and I haven't been into Target in several weeks either. And so I finally saw the Galaxy's Edge merch, uh, which is really fun. And they have these little, um, to go along with like the Droid Depot, they have these unnamed both BB units and astromech units. And one of the astromech units was like so cool. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I, I don't need more toys. Uh, I, I put it down. We shopped for everything else. We got in line. I was like, eh, screw it. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah. And I got out of line. And it's uh, unnamed, so you can name it. Oh. Uh, astromech droid that's purple, but comes with the bar attachment like R2 has on the sail barge. And I had Whoa. to have it. Well, that could, that'll pair nicely with bottles of whiskey you have on display exactly and if nothing else i can uh, open my uh, black series the child and uh put the bone broth cup on the bar nice yes absolutely see you you, you can always talk yourself into more toys i can that's a good trait yeah and i'm absolutely going to um yeah and then uh, and then when we got home we started our rewatch of uh season one of the mandalorian so we can be all ready and that was really fun uh, especially through my wife's eyes, who watched it, enjoyed it, uh, but you know doesn't uh, talk about Star Wars uh, for hours every week, <laughs> yeah. uh, to really see it through her eyes, and it was really fun for me after uh, all this time of of really talking about the beats that really land with me and I think are thematically important to not only see those again, but then to see the other smaller beats that I've kind of forgotten about and and get myself hyped. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, like the. When you were, it's easier to do that now, right? When you're just kind of taking it all in, not not looking for notes, not not digging in as deep as we always do. Sometimes you just the little things, the little the little joys in, in being a Star Wars fan. Yeah, just like some of those fun details. Like I forgot how uh, how set uh, all the other bounty hunters are on killing uh, the child. Like those Trandoshans are just like <laughs> got an axe, let's go. Yeah, all, all in a day's work. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great contrast to uh, everybody assuming, well, like, yeah, if, if we say bring him in alive or dead, yeah, all these scummy bounty hunters are going to bring him back dead. It's fine. It's, it's a complicated profession. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So those are my Star Wars and uh, life adventures. How about you? 
Uh, you know, for me, same thing, Grace and I had a chance to go out to the L.A. Zoo in a very uh, as, as safe and socially distant way, uh, similar to some of the stuff you talk about at Descanso Gardens. Or they, they make efforts to make it feel normal, but also we, we, we were careful. And so we got to go there and, uh, you know, we're members of the zoo, so you reserve a time. You walk in and because there was, I mean, I'd say it's at 30, 40 percent capacity in terms of visitors, which is nice. Um, the animals are like, yippee, no one's staring at us or less people are. So I've <laughs> never seen in all, all my years of, of going to the LA Zoo, I've just never seen that many animals in action. You know, just hippos taking baths, a sea lion, you know, out there doing the, you know, and all the <laughs> cats, which are generally always out there at the zoo, but they, I've never seen so many out. It was just, it was a lot of fun. We love animals. Grace and I love animals. We're, we're big fans of otters. We got to go see our, our otter friends over there. Um, I got a elephant. I I love elephants and that might go back to banthas, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, And uh, we got kind of a secret view. Like we we were at an area where it's not like the viewing uh, area, but an elephant was kind of over in that corner eating and we got to watch him just kind of almost like he was, off stage, <laughs> <laughs> his backstage meal between shows. Yeah, yeah, he was in the green room, uh, and so it was great. It was great, and and uh, it's kind of relaxing in these times to, especially out here in LA, where it's uh, I, you know a lot of people listen to us different parts of the world. Some some places it's on severe lockdown. Some places it's a little looser. Uh, you know, I prefer a nice astringent kind of situation right now myself personally. Uh, and so it's nice to get a little sense of normalcy, uh, in these crazy times. And, uh, you know, that, that helps. That helps. Yeah, get no. Out. Yeah. It does really help to get out and I'm, I'm grateful. And I think that we're lucky to be in LA with the weather and, uh, so that you could have those layers of protection of you're wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of room at places like Descanso and the zoo to step away, uh, from other people. You're not, you know, locked in a, in a very similar space with them. You're outside. So I feel extremely lucky to have that you know i have a ton of uh, family and friends who uh, live in uh, in minneapolis minnesota and they got the snow and that's yeah <laughs> that's a different challenge for getting outside yeah it was and look, I, i'm telling you i i don't know if i'm ever taking these masks off anyways i just maybe i maybe it's my gi joe watching cobra i'm just i'd like having my face covered this might be a perfect thing for me <laughs> i don't know I like going to do and um though i was at a i did a one of those social distant birthday swing buys you know a select group of friends meeting on a patio for, for uh, a birthday yesterday. And uh, you, it's weird. You, the amount of times you actually do communicate with your face. And I was talking to someone, I literally go, Oh, you're not, you're not seeing, I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling. <laughs> so anyways, uh, good times uh, to get outside and, and uh, as best we can during these times and catch some, some fresh air. That's uh that's uh star Wars like in its own way. Just yeah. uh, for a moment. I think uh, the fact that you were uh, wearing a mask, watching a huge, amazing animals sounds like Star Wars to me. Right. I felt like I felt like a Tuscan writer is what I'm saying. <laughs> so uh, that's our Star Wars life adventures. Uh, oh, we, we, we want to uh, do a shout out to uh, Alex and Molly of Star Wars Explained. You and I got to appear on their live stream getting ready for Mandalorian on Friday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, their fans are always, uh, always embrace us. Uh, I also got to do a, do a, one with the show Star Wars sessions with our pal Jamie Stangroom. Uh, so it was me and in Burbank and 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 three chaps in England doing a, a, a Zencaster show. It's technology <laughs> so weird, um, but uh, a lot of fun. Everyone's getting ready for Mandalorian. But yeah, you and I had a lot of fun with hanging out with Alex and Molly. 
Absolutely. That was really, really great. It, it, it really uh, ignited my uh, excitement to dive entirely back into the world of Mandalorian. It, they asked some great questions and so did the people watching where that really that kind of fun Star Wars nerdery of like, ooh, what's going to happen? And I'm so excited. Excited indeed. But now let's get into some Star Wars news, looking at the headlines that turned our heads here at Force Center this week. Uh, we are going to start with uh, this one here. Obi-Wan tries on his robes. Oh, you think that's a non-story? You think that's not exciting? Well, no, Joseph Scrimshaw and I, but Joseph Scrimshaw is here to tell you why this is <laughs> a great story. Ewan McGregor appeared on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast with uh, Josh Horowitz. He always gets great guests and uh, always uh, sneaks in a question or two that fans want to hear or ask about big Star Wars related projects. It, it happens a few times here. Uh, and you McGregor revealed uh, some things going to toss him up a little bit here. And then Joseph, well, I really want you to just dive on in to <laughs> Obi-Wan's robes. Uh, McGregor mentioned a couple of things um, that this had been project uh, film or TV had been discussed for years. He kind of said four or five, I don't know, maybe six years, uh, which is not surprising to a lot of us or anyone at this point, but uh, based on things we were hearing and seeing and 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 kind of knowing at times, it it, it kind of is in line with that. He mentioned he tried on the costume uh, during season one of The Mandalorian. They actually did some test footage uh, with Deborah Chow. Uh, that was uh, during season one. So we'll talk about some of the things and the way he phrased some things there. And uh, finally, the big thing, uh, he's kind of happy it's a TV show rather than a film, more room to explore. That's kind of the bullet points, Joseph. But I want to go into the emotions of this news with you. Obi-Wan tries on his robes. How you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there's definitely like some, ooh, when exactly did he do this? What does that mean? All that kind of stuff. But the robes thing just really excited me. You know, I, I know that you can look at it from the perspective of like, yes, of course, this is a part of the process. Uh, the camera person also checked their camera. Great. But I think it just had a really visceral reaction, not only because I love Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, but I, I think this is a little bit of myself being uh, having a history as an actor as well. The way Ewan McGregor said, but I, I went into the dressing room and there were my robes and my belt and my boots and myself as an actor. And I'm sure many actors listening or, you know, people from other perspectives, you have that visceral reaction to that physical thing you put on that helps you transform. Like I still, to this day in Los Angeles, I, I brought next to nothing in terms of my costumes and, and props that I've collected over the years. But right. I still have like that sweater I used whenever I played that professor character <laughs> in that uh, comedy sketch that I did for years and years or that cane I used whenever I played an old man. And then that cane I got when I actually injured my leg <laughs> <laughs> and had to use it for real, but then also then used it. Like there's just a visceral response to those things that are from a different time in your life that you used to transform into this other person and to hear him express it that way of like, that's my costume. That's my belt. That's my boots. It got me excited about it from his perspective as an actor and how he is, uh, how excited he is to step back into that, into that role and really become that character. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, an actor, a professional, you know, just a respected professional like him, I would not imagine him just being like, sure, sign me up, give me the money. He'd, he'd want to come back. And so I'm not surprised, but to actually hear it, to hear it in his voice, it's at the end of the podcast. 
Uh, if you want to listen to the whole thing, it's, it's, uh, I did listen to some of the interview about he and uh, his buddy, Charlie on that show. They got going all the kind of great stories, great stories, but it was like, give me the Obi-Wan, give me the Obi-Wan. And he's, uh, he's excited. You can just see it. And it is uh, literally putting on an old robe with an old friend and getting, it sounds like, especially with the TV show thing, Joseph versus a film, he's re- He wants to explore this character. And that's exciting to me that he as an actor is like, Oh good. I can come back and explore Obi-Wan. Yeah, I, 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 that's the other thing that I really gravitated towards him saying, you know, it was going to be a movie, but now it's a TV show like The Mandalorian. I'm really happy because it gives us uh, more space, you know, and he's always been an actor's actor. He wants to dig in and, you know, discover what is motivating the character. And that's always great for any movie uh, or any TV show. But for this story about Obi-Wan that I think will have action, but as we've discussed before, I think it really is about okay, all of these big, you know, um, horrible operatic things happened to this character and he made these definitive choices. He cut down his brother, but he didn't finish him. And now he's marching around the galaxy in this horrible uh, armor. And and to know that this actor's actor who likes exploring things are like, yeah, no, I I, I get it. I'm in a a sci-fi space thing and my best buddy is now a evil half robot. But what does that really mean to this character? What does that mean to have lost your brother and become more machine know that he's become more machine than man and can you find hope in uh watching over his offspring are you just restless and disappointed in yourself and knowing that this actor is excited to go like oh i don't just have to pack that into one three minute scene this can expand and i can really explore those emotions and the ramifications on this character's choices and the fact that he and so many other people keep seeing the Mandalorian and going, wait, what? Damn, I'd do that. <laughs> and that he sees the Mandalorian. It's not just the volume, I think, uh, the, not just the technology, but the way that that show is slowly exploring character mm. and, and actors going, oh, yeah, no, if I don't have to just cram my character into an action scene, but I get to really spread out and explore the character like in that Mandalorian show. Great. I want to do it. I love to, this is definitely speaks to our generation of, of pop culture fans and, and how we took in stuff. I love, and it's not new. Um, it, it's been this era since I want to say the mid to late two thousands, it started to really turn, at least that's what I would think of, of the dividing line between TV and film is still very much there to be clear. Uh, though with this, you know, Bond going to streaming first, Wonder Woman to streaming, we we are in times where those walls are really co- uh, collapsing. But you and I grew up in an era where, you know, there's just uh, Caravan of Courage was the Star Wars need to get on TV. <laughs> and I sometimes still don't have that thought. Mandalorian, definitely, you know, Clone Wars, Rebels, definitely changed my mind on that as a Star Wars fan. But I still remember going into Mandalorian season one. I was like, I, Star Wars on TV. I don't know. I don't know. We we are so past that. And a lot of it is because these performers are just going to where the great stories are. And TV, uh, definitely maybe more of a writer's medium, as they've said. So I just love that this could lead to so much more. And that uh, an actor of his caliber is like, like you said, sign me up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I haven't watched all the uh, Long Way Down uh, things with his buddy Charlie Borman. But my wife and I watched uh, Long Way Down. Uh, mm-hmm. which, uh, them basically going through Africa and seeing Ewan McGregor as a person in that show, seeing his relationship to Obi-Wan that like the times that he kind of uh, made the choice 
to bring it up, seeing him visit uh, some of the Tunisia and, you know, them going to Lake Como in Italy and him going, oh, you know, Hayden and Natalie got to go there, but I didn't. <laughs> like, mm. Seeing him kind of frame his uh, his experiences through Star Wars. Yeah. But also just seeing him like he is this guy who really likes to go out and experience things and and you know get he kept getting frustrated on that trip because they didn't have enough time in each city for him to talk to everybody and feel everything and knowing again that he's just that kind of person and therefore that kind of actor i'm happy for him that he gets to do the work on the volume where it sounds like that feels more immersive to the actors and more real so that excites me as well great point on uh on the volume and um Carl Weathers talked about that in the gallery, right? You actually get to see it. You all get to have a reaction to it. And that's something that uh, is exciting to, to me as a fan, to see the actors just bring that much more to it. Uh, should we dive in a little bit? Let's have a little fun. This is uh, the way he phrased when they did this screen test uh, on the set of Mandalorian season one. So we know a time frame. Uh, the way he was just kind of like, and Deborah Chow was there and I walk on set and we, you know, he kind of, am I wrong, Joseph? Fra- framed it as even then it was a film. Oh, yeah, yeah. It could absolutely just be like uh, whatever I'm talking off the cuff on a podcast. But the timing did sound like at some point there was a movie that maybe uh, Deborah Chow was attached to the movie at some point. Yeah, just again, we're probably, we're digging into the phrasing of it. I, 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 you know, who we're Star Wars fans. We're going to do that. But, <laughs> you know, again, this is I know it's we, we know for a fact it was going for a while. I know, for, you know, there was a script. There was this and that. There was a. Uh, I think an Australian screenwriter was attached to one of the drafts of the movie. Like all these kind of things were happening, but that's pretty recent. And I know the thought was when he walked the red carpet at Solo in uh, May of 2018, uh, he had the Obi-Wan beard. It was maybe gearing up to that announcement of the film of the film. And then things changed. So all that kind of makes sense. It doesn't neither here nor there for me. And actually I'm more excited that it's a TV show or a, a, you know, a long form kind of limited series here, whatever you want to describe it as. Um, but I, I thought that was an interesting little, uh, you know, he just might not know, you know, four or five, six years, 10 years. I don't know. It's been a long time. You know? Yeah. And it, it feels in general that he's like, yeah, I'd like to play Obi-Wan. Thanks for the call, Disney Lucasfilm. And then you keep, <laughs> I keep getting calls back going, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Uh, and and I, I'm happy for him that it's just locked down. And, and I would have loved an Obi-Wan film. And I think it could have been great. And I think, I think we could have explored all sorts of stuff about the characters. But again, just seeing that the Mandalorian is willing to just do you know, full half hour to 45 to 50 minute episodes really diving into one particular aspect of the character's psyche. I'm just excited to spend that much time with Obi-Wan. Cannot wait. Start shooting March uh, 2021, right? Yeah, and then uh, come out uh, sometime after that. Stay Stay tuned. We have a lot of Star Wars on our way, especially on the literary side. Let's look at the High Republic Padawans revealed. Just uh, three of them. There's going to be a lot of them. But they highlighted uh, some new Padawans. Uh, Dan Brooks sitting down uh, on StarWars.com with some of the authors talking about them. Uh, let's go through some of the Padawans from the High Republic. Joseph, we got Bell Zetifar. Zetifar. Bell Zetifar. Padawan of Loden Greatstorm, who we've already met. Uh, and Bell has a charhound named named ember man i love that i already want to plush charhound uh and bell is training at the jedi outpost under harsh conditions uh kind of far out there then we have 
Bur Yaga, the Padawan. This is the uh, Wookiee Padawan. Padawan of Neb Asik. Uh, strong ability to sense emotions of others. Then we have Lulu, Lula Talasola. I forgot to write down who she's a Padawan of, or I missed the note and couldn't find it. Uh, but she, Lula, wants to be the best Jedi ever. Top of her class right now. She's really close with two of her best friends, v- uh, Farsala and Court which were great Deep Space Nine characters, I think, right? <laughs> uh, and I think that's interesting that she's really close with two of her best friends. Reed Silas is the last one they revealed, uh, Padawan of Jedi Council member Jorah Mali, which means he's kind of had a, a privileged training, mostly on Coruscant, uh, not really seen the, the galaxy at large and the way the galaxy is right now, and that's going to be something about Reed's past. Uh, no two Padawans will be the same. So what do you think about those uh, Padawans revealed, Joseph? It is so fun to listen to you uh, uh, list all the names because part of this is just like, we got to generate a ton of Star Wars names. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go. Bell Zetafar, Charhound Ember. <laughs> it's great. Yep. Uh, I love just the general idea of, of having this specificity and having this diversity and the amount of thought that's going into uh, why uh, they have the different perspective uh, from their own, you know, culture, from their kind of planet of birth or their species versus uh, how they've been raised so far and where in the uh, in the organization of the Jedi is all great. Super excited about Buryaga. I think a lot of people have been. It's amazing to see a Wookiee with just that <laughs> much clothes yeah. on. <laughs> Uh, I, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, lo- I love this idea that he would have a strong ability to sense emotions in others because that uh, really tracks with Chewie. Chewie is really aware of what's going on with uh, with his friends a lot uh, and seems very emotionally intuitive. And I like that detail that his master, uh, Nib Asek, uh, is making the effort to learn Shirawook. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing to say. Like, it's rare for Wookiees to be in uh to be Jedi. So uh so let me try to, you know, meet you halfway and 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 understand uh your way and understand your language too. So I'm super excited. Uh and then Wreath Silas, I love this idea because it's following up a lot of other storytelling that if he grew up and is has been a Padawan mostly on Coruscant, that he would be this picture of privilege that the core systems are you know, doing extra great. Uh, he even looks kind of like privilege. He looks a little bit like the Star Wars version of like, I was born rich and I went to the fancy schools <laughs> and I have this attitude about life. So that really, that specificity of character being sent out to the outer rims and suddenly going, oh, damn, here's the real world, combined with the fact that he's going to be written by Claudia Gray. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. She seems... Um, she- a great choice to carry on that kind of theme there with Reese. Yeah. I'm excited about all those. I, I I'm right there with you. The first thought I had was Buryaga is dressed that dressed. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to be interesting there too. Uh, I, the, the Lula thing, I love that. I want to ask you here. Her, her, just this, uh, she's, she is great. She is top of her class. She wants to be the best, uh, which, you know, I, I think I you'd, you'd want it. You'd want a Padawan to be like, yeah, I want to be good at this. Uh, it's not a good thing. Uh, Anakin had issues with feeling he was the best, but not being treated as the best. Lula doesn't seem to have at this point those kind of issues, but they could develop. And this idea of her being real close to their two best friends, connection, attachment. Do you think that will matter or be a problem, Joseph, going on? 
Yeah, I'm really curious to to see how they're going to handle that. I think this might be in an era where the Jedi have a little, like, I'm sure they have their rules about attachment, but maybe they're not as uptight about it. Maybe there's a little less uh, fear of it. So maybe it is more like, yeah, of course, uh, Padawans should have friends. They should love life. And I'm curious to see if it's going to be a little bit more from that perspective. Um, I really like this idea that she thinks the Jedi are super cool, wants to be the best Jedi ever. I feel mm-hmm. like with all these characters, a lot of them have this perspective of like, uh, if you're in school right now, or if you've been to school, that you could almost go like, I've been to school with all of these characters. And Lula <laughs> has that feeling of that person who loves school and like loves everything about school, not only likes uh, going to school and likes the homework and wants to be valedictorian, but like knows the history of the building, knows the last time the sports team won, you know? Uh, all that like is in charge of the homecoming dance. I love applying that to the Jedi. Yeah, that is that. Um, yes, I this this I, I really agree with what you're saying there. Just the the different approaches here. Jennifer Heddle of uh, the publishing team says uh, some are reluctant to seek out adventure. Talking about the Padawans, some are reluctant to seek out adventure, while some are perhaps a little too eager. Some are extremely talented in the Force, while others. Maybe you have to work a little bit harder, which is something we've heard uh, before. Uh, we wanted to showcase a wide range of young people in hopes every reader can find someone they relate to. That really ties to what you're saying, Joseph. Going back to school, we got Lula here going, teacher, you didn't give us homework. Uh, it sounds like Bell's, uh, you know, taking a, a, a bus from a, the, the other far side of town and has a different <laughs> perspective than Reith, who got dropped off. Uh, it is, uh, you know, his dad's driver dropped him off. You know, there's a lot of things going on here. So. I feel really good about this approach to the tales of training and, and, and it's going to make the high Republic. It already, I've already been, I, I started at, Oh, I guess I'm excited to get more excited, get more excited too. Oh, we really get to learn a, the, about the force and about the Jedi through these eyes too. Like part of the story. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love this idea of let's make them relatable to everybody, but let's make it so people can see themselves in these characters, particularly young readers by having these characters have a diversity of culture, a diversity of uh, experience, a diversity of attitude toward the Jedi. It's all great. Uh, I'm thrilled. It's one of my uh, most important things about High Republic is I want to see all this diversity in the Jedi. And I think it might be a great contrast to, you know, maybe a part of the criticism is that during the prequel era, uh, the Jedi kind of got into a little bit more lockstep of like, they didn't have as divergent of views um, because they were hanging out in Coruscant a little bit more, or maybe just Jedi thinking kind of got limited a little bit. It could be a really interesting contrast. That's um, yeah. Uh, And how, how, what we can learn about what went wrong through this era when maybe it was going right is interesting to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. So super excited. Great Padawans. Great Padawans. Uh, We are going from great Padawans to a great Jedi teacher. New trailer for Star Wars, Tales from Galaxy's Edge. Uh, We've uh, been seeing this game. This is the new VR game coming out. I'm sure this game isn't for everyone, whether it's uh, maybe you're not a fan of VR, don't have access to it, which is my case. Um, uh, Or maybe you just uh, don't want to roam around Batuu as much as other people do. I'm pretty excited with that prospect, whether or not I'll play this game or not. Get my hands on that technology is different. But there's been cool reveals Cool things about the story. We know about 3PO's involvement. But this one, Joseph, this trailer revealed that uh, Frank Oz will be back as Yoda. You get to interact with him. And you also get to uh, wield a lightsaber in the game. So what do you think about those new revelations? And then I want to do a follow-up question about uh, 
these big characters in these type of stories. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, watched the uh, the YouTube video and I was really entertained. I like the uh, shot where you get to punch a Drandoshan in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to play this because I don't have the technology and it, it is just getting hard for me to make time for everything, you know, and looking at like all the content that's going to come out for High Republic and I'm excited for it. So it's weird for me to kind of look at this and go, oh, I, I want to know what's going on in Star Wars. I want to know what's out there, but I probably won't play this. And then I just had a visceral reaction when like the earlier parts of the trailer was like basically uh, the the funny bartender uh, sending you yeah. <laughs> on grinding missions. Like the droids might ask you to get parts. I might ask you to collect some vegetables. I'm like, no, ah, don't have time. I don't have time for this. Uh, but other than that, it, you know, if I had time to play this, it, it looks really cool. And, and lightsaber slashing is always great. Lightsaber slashing is always great indeed. So Frank Yaz, uh, Frank Yaz, wow, Frank Yaz comes back as Yoda. I don't know who Frank Yaz is, but he seems like he's in a great prog rock band. Um, <laughs> he is uh, back, Frank Oz, as Yoda. And we got, look, we can make our jokes. Anthony Daniel showing up as 3PO is not necessarily a surprise, but we're, we're, we're glad. We did discuss that in a previous episode. Frank Oz even showing up on the Jedi Temple Challenge was really cool for a lot of fans, us included. I, I got to ask you, how do you feel about experiencing... Uh, these classic characters and the people playing them again in these quote-unquote smaller stories or games that you might not touch upon? Do you feel cheated? Do you feel, hey, it's great for those who are going to experience it and I'm just glad to have these people back? A lot of different answers. I don't want to take them from you. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm always happy to see it. I mean, they're the people who have different relationships with Star Wars. Anthony Daniels is just always all in. Other people have stepped away or, you know, was assumed that they wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> so they weren't asked that kind of thing. And I feel like with a character like Yoda, you know, we've got years of Tom Kane doing him. But I feel kind of the same about uh, Frank Oz and Ian McDermott. Uh, same thing there where, uh, you know, Ian McDermott didn't do uh, Palpatine during the Clone Wars animated series, but decided to come back uh, for Rebels uh, eventually. Uh, and I kind of feel like people like Frank Oz and Ian McDermott and Anthony Daniels, anybody who started in the role, anytime where they're like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a video game. I don't care if it's a, you know, commercial for socks. If I want to be my character, I say, let them. <laughs> let them while they're still here and while they're excited to be a part of this uh i'm always excited to have the originals just as i'm you know realistic that eventually uh other people w- will take over because that is the way of things yeah absolutely it is the way of things but yeah i i it just feels good yeah it feels good that especially after, after the last jedi frank oz on twitter seemed to be very protective at times uh wonderfully defensive about the film and his scenes and Yoda and knowing the character, uh, you know, rolling up your sleeves and diving into Twitter wars is, is a, it's a dangerous thing. But Frank Oz just had initially just kind of almost seemed shocked. Like he had that, that he even had to, cause he just loves his character and he's, he understands it. Uh, and so, yeah, like you said, it makes sense. And Tom King did great. I mean, I wonderful love, love the version of him, in the clone wars. Uh, but it's just, yeah, like I said, it's nice. It's comforting. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's just nice to think that, you know, I, I think so many of us have such a, a love of uh, somebody like Frank Oz, who has done so many amazing things. It's just cool that he's like, yeah, you're doing what with Yoda? Yeah, I want to do it. That's just awesome. It is awesome. Uh, this morning, time of our recording, uh, you guys get to hear us a day later, but uh, the first uh, Mando Monday digital 
kind of toy reveal. Star Wars show uh, hosts Anthony Garboni and Andy Gutierrez uh, hosted the premiere video. It wasn't live, but it was a premiered video. So you could watch the comments live, which is always an adventure. Wow. Um, <laughs> it, it distracted me a little bit looking at the, the war going on in those comments. But hey, not a surprise. But to the uh, good news out of this, a lot of little toys. And look, uh, we're, we're, there's some highlights and there's some uh, you and I are really excited about. We'll start here, though. Uh, a ton, a ton. And I got no problem because I own a lot of it. But a ton of the child merchandise, Joseph. If if you want to make some toast, have some coffee, do God knows what else with the child's face on it looking at you, you can do it now. <laughs> You can live an entire child life, right? You can get up in your child robe and, you know, make coffee out of your uh, your child uh, coffee maker you were joking about before we even got started. Yeah. And you can uh, take some time playing your child-only Monopoly game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, love the child, but the child is absolutely everywhere. Uh, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been to a Target in a while, and I tweeted the joke because it just amused me of just like, I was in a pretty small Target with not that huge of a Star Wars section. And there was still so much of the child and just the contrast between what the child is in the show of this incredibly rare <laughs> sought after thing, Moff Gideon scouring the galaxy for him. And <laughs> imagine Moff Gideon walking into a Target and just like, he's everywhere. He's everywhere for the taking. Everywhere for the taking is really funny to me. But yeah, uh, the thing that I was waiting for on Mando Mondays for myself is is the new figures because I'm such a mm -hmm. figure guy. And man, some great new vintage figures. Uh, yeah. uh, three and three quarter because I'm all about the three and three quarter armor, which is just amazing. Great uh, Moff Gideon. Uh, new Din Djarin with the silver armor that comes with the child. Camtono uh, more uh, separate child with Pram. Uh, available is a part of the Razor Crest Unlock. Ugh, God, yeah. it's, uh, so many vintage figures. And then that retro collection is the other thing I lost my mind about. Yeah, dive in. I mean, there's a lot there. I, I, I jotted some notes down and, and a lot of you know, Din with the helmet coming off. I'm already seeing it online. Yes, the sculpt of Pedro Pascal's face. Maybe keep the helmet on. We'll see. Uh, a lot of those things. Uh, the, the Black Series, uh, the Biker Scout. What a way. You want to get Ken to buy another Biker Scout with a speeder bike that he does not need release the uh, Adam Pally slash Jason Sudeikis version with the, uh, you know, child in a satchel. Uh, oh. um, definitely feel I might need that one. Um, but yeah, just uh, those ones. But yeah, dive into the retro. They look great. Green, yeah. Green, what we got? Yeah, the retro collection, like, uh, is obviously I grew up with these uh, Kenner figures and I've collected a few of the retro ones and they're really cool. Like, I, I like having uh, the actual, like, that's very close to the Bespin Luke that I had when I was a kid and it's really cool to see it. But there's something fun in particular with the retro collection about new figures. Like, there was that game that came with... Uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin of what he kind of would have looked like if they had made uh, Grand Moff Tarkin back in the Kenner days. So then to see that applied to Mandalorian, it, it was an actual surprise. I didn't think they were going to do this. So to see those new characters, uh, IG-11, uh, you got uh, the child with Pram, uh, you got Cara Dune, you got Moff Gideon, you got Grief Karga with the massive shoulders, the vinyl cape. Like they went all out. Like they, it wasn't just like, let's not try to make it like a, a little bit more high end, like let's look, let's make it look as yeah. <laughs> as weird and wild as it would have back in the day with the, you know, less advanced action figure technology. Quill, 
uh, yeah. finally a, a Queel action figure. So I'm super excited about it because I like the retro collection. But then also just uh, there's such a big thing of this is, as John Favreau himself has said, the Mandalorian is him taking his action figures out and playing with them. You know, rewatching those first couple episodes of The Mandalorian, like almost all of those could episodes could be acted out with action figures that existed back then. Uh, mm-hmm. So to see it come f- full circle and to see these characters from the show that was inspired by action figures rendered as action figures looked back in the day when John Favreau was a kid. It's just really cool full circle. Uh, absolutely. All my life's a circle. Sunrise to sundown, as Harry Chapin would sing. And it uh, applies to Star Wars. Stars. Yeah, the Quill one. Uh, yeah, I... I might have to clear some some space on the old corkboard of figures I got going on here, just because it's it, it 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 I fall for it. I fall for it, Joseph. It's like I see it and I go, yeah, that is just like just like olden times. I want to live in olden times. Let me get them. <laughs> I feel like that. And it just kind of, like I said, it just it's it's a part of the Star Wars story. Those figures. Yeah, yeah, and I just want to. I'll I'll get almost every Queel action figure they put out. I'm I'm a Queel sucker. I want Queel. <laughs> We stand quill here. <laughs> I think that's how it works. All right. Uh, that is a look at the news. More Mando Mondays on the way. More child merch. Some cool t-shirts. Get that dark saber. Yeah, you can completely live the Mando life with the toys. We'll talk about that. Uh, we are about to uh, take a quick break. But before we do that, we want to uh, do our Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? Well, what we have today is a recommendation that I forgot to change from last week, but that's okay because it's one of my favorites. It's Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Uh, kind of relates uh, to some of our discussion because uh, I think it's in this book that uh, Qui-Gon muses about maybe Jedi should leave Coruscant more often, which sounds like is exactly what we're going to see in the High Republic. So that's it. Can Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. I think the force led you to that choice. To download <laughs> your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. We are going to take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we are going to answer your questions here on force. Center. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 Welcome back to Force Center, the news and cues. We talked about Obi-Wan and his robes, Frank Oz as Yoda, and all the retro figures we could get our hands on in the future. And now we're going to go to your questions, Joseph. Uh, we got uh, some good ones here today from Twitter, Patreon, and Yeah, Twitter and Patreon and into our minds and souls. Hopefully, uh, like I said, Ed recently put out a call on our Force Center uh, pod Twitter and uh, a new post on our Patreon. So if you're wanting to ask questions, that's the place to get them to us. Go check those out. But for now, let's dive into some of the questions we got and many more to come. The first one is from a longtime listener and question asker, Joey Beans. You go back away with Joey Beans, right? Uh, Yes. Still not to this day. I don't think I've met him in person. Came very close. He's an early Schmoes fan. Love Joey Beans. Wow, that's so great. It's so great. Uh, Here's what Joey Beans has to say. Thinking about the Mandalorian, who among us isn't, Joey? Uh, Mm -hmm. What if Ahsoka recruits Din Djarin to help them find Ezra, and in return, she helps him find baby Yoda's peeps? Keep it sexy, says Joey. So, uh, Ken, most importantly, are you keeping it sexy? And what do you think about this what if? 
Uh, you know, I'm trying to keep up with you, Joey, and you know that. You know that there. Uh, so this is uh, this is great. Little tip for tat. Little uh, scratch my back. You scratch my uh, uh, back as well. <laughs> my best car. Yeah. My best car. Uh, it doesn't. You know, is that completely aligned with Ahsoka? I don't know, but with Din, uh, you know, what's in it for me? Like I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I can see him making deals. Like, that's, I think, a great thing about Mandalorian Season 1 of, like, I have this goal. In order to do it, I need to do something for you. You want a what? You want an egg? You want help on your bounty hunter? Okay, here we go. Uh, so that it makes sense from a sort of Mandalorian uh, perspective. I the, the questions that this raises in my mind is, you know, things that I think we will uh, have answered eventually if all the Ahsoka rumors are true. Uh, is the kind of the timeline of Ahsoka? Who is Ahsoka at this point, about five years after Return of the Jedi? Uh, and, and Ken, go with me on this and let me know your timeline opinions. Okay. My my timeline opinion has always been that, you know, uh, Ahsoka and the awesome white cloak and the staff coming to uh, Sabine and going, you know, it's time to find Ezra has always felt like right at the end of the Galactic Civil War. Or, mm-hmm. r- right? Yeah. Yep. So it, it feels to me like... Um, do you think an appearance five years later is going to be, hey, this, is, this has been a long look for Ezra and we haven't found him? Or do you feel like if we see Ahsoka, it's post-Ezra search? I am going to assume and 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 kind of even want it to be post-Ezra. That, and I mean, I the question of, especially now that we've seen season seven of, of the Clone Wars uh, and, and, you know, seeing where she goes into the... Revenge of the Sith or the time period between and reemerges and rebels. See her focus there. You know, she likes to get things done even in the shadows. So I, I got to imagine that she was searching that something couldn't work. She just needed help. Uh, and, and Sabine was the one I, or, or there's some story yet we've yet to hear, read, see of what she was doing during the galactic civil war. Big questions. Maybe Dave has those, those answers, but I really short answer, Joseph, I, I want her to I already have, have that in her past. Yeah. Yeah. So that would mean then at this point, she's either kind of gone on to something new or she's settled down somewhere. Uh, I don't think like uh, timeline wise, she isn't, you know, that incredibly old, uh, but she's been through a lot. And I keep having this instinct that, that we might see her in a little bit of a, more of a mentor role. Not like she isn't perfectly capable of, uh, you know, whipping out the lightsabers and kicking butt. And, and who knows, we might see that. But just functionally in the story, I get the instinct that she's really the wise one to go, oh, this is what you say you want, Din Djarin. This is what you say you're looking for. This is what you claim the answers are. But let me give you some cryptic uh, light side force user Jedi wisdom and set you on the path of what you really need to go, what you really need to do. I keep having the instinct that that's going to be her narrative role. It just makes sense. That's kind of what she transitioned to in my mind. That that white Gandalf, the white cloak that she shows up at, like, it's a different, a different Ahsoka in a way. She's the scar. The scars are deep. Yeah, timeline wise, she'd be. I mean, I'm doing quick math, like early to mid 40s in Earth time. You know, I don't know what that translates. It should, technically, maybe younger than the child, right? Um, <laughs> but she's been through so much and has so much experience to teach. Uh, you know, used to teach and 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 uh, failures to learn from all those kind of things that. I can't imagine it is as simple. Um, and by by the way, Joey, this is this is just building off your question, uh, not directly to it at this point. But just I can't imagine if Din does show up with the child and says I need help, that it's just 
all going to be Rick Roland adventure. Yes, I said Rick Roland because I like that term. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, rollicking adventure, whatever term. I, I just, um, you know what I mean? Like to your point, Joseph, I think I think she's going to have a lot to say and, and, and a lot that she feels about the situation. Yeah. And if it is, if the timeline is, this is post Ezra search, mm-hmm. uh, and we eventually do get that story, I would assume she goes through a lot emotionally and physically in that story. So we might see this Ahsoka who's even different than we expect because we haven't seen what she's been through. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love this. I love uh, Joey's thought starter here. We, we uh, started a lot of thoughts, uh, but I would love, uh, there's something about these characters and the way Joey suggests them. What if they work together? Maybe we'll see that in the Mandalorian, but if not, I would be happy to see some storytelling down the road of the two of them kind of taking on a mission together the way Joey suggests here. It's be interesting. Yeah. That's a, that's a team up. I never would have thought I would have, uh, w- would see if, if it comes to pass, you know what I mean? Like going back to the Mandalorian season one, episode one, like this is going to end with him and Ahsoka on an adventure. Can't imagine that. And that's where I hope the show goes to places I can't imagine. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe there is a, a, an Ahsoka series and uh, Din Djarin pops up in an episode to help her out. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, move on to our next question from Derek Norris. Derek asks, "What was the Emperor? Uh, where was the Emperor during Rogue One? Did he foresee the weakness in the Death Star? I've always wondered where Palpy was when the original Death Star went kablooey. You guys rock harder than an asteroid field. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I have never thought of myself as an asteroid field, but I, I feel good thinking I, I could be an asteroid. I could be a danger to ships. Uh, Ken, what do you think about uh, about Derek's question? Where do you think uh, Palpatine was? Do you think he foresaw the weakness in his grand design of the Death Star? I, I actually don't think he did, or at least in, in detail. You, you know, the joke answer, he's, he's off in a business meeting, like the robot chicken kind of sketch, ordering a sandwich and Vader calls uh, to let him know what's going on. I But, but, I think he is, you know, look at even what we see at the end of Rebels, right? He he's he's got other things going on. Digs, he's looking for relics, uh, immortality, world between worlds, all those kind of things that are going on. I've always kind of, no, no, actually, I take that back. Take that back. I've not always thought this. Um, I just have adapted uh, to this idea in my head of just like Palpatine's like great, got the galaxy, that was fun. Um, I got some people running it. Vader, make sure it's in place. I'll check in. Uh, I've got other things to search for and other things to look for. And then as far as the secret, uh, you know, not knowing, you know, that it could be destroyed. I, I think that's a little bit of his overconfidence too, that he just would not factor that in, that someone from the inside, that someone would do it out of perhaps love for his daughter and empathy and compassion for the galaxy, you know, and, and trying to make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, thought about that in his head or maybe he gets a general feel you know he's always got backup plans though but that that way you you can always you're like Wee herman falling off a bike i meant to do that and uh, you know Palpatine can always fly up <laughs> exactly Wee Wee and palp together she yeah, uh, herman is quite a, a thing to imagine <laughs> uh, so combining two of my favorite things from the 80s so yeah that's where i, go. I, I think he was to do that I meant to do that. I know you are, but what am I? Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 we get uh, all day, all day. Uh, but I think uh, that, anyway, oh, that, the word of the day. <laughs> uh, hubris. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's what I think. I think. I think he was there. He's present. And, and the final note on this, and I'll, I'll pitch it back to you, Joseph, is because a week later or whatever, days later. Tark, Tarkin's like, hey, the Senate's been wiped away. It's so to me that to me, I'm, I've always kind of since Rogue One read that as 
Palpatine's just like, it's business as usual. Keep up the front that we have a working government. We really don't. It's us. It's me. I've got other things to fry. But now he's kind of like, whoopsie, this is different. Uh, we we really got to do something different. Goodbye, Senate. And now we got to really drill down on on this uh, this rebellion. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I agree with uh, with uh, everything you're saying. I, I think for just a straight up answer, I I imagine he is on Coruscant. I, obviously, he could have uh, dissolved the Senate from anywhere, uh, but it makes sense to me that he is there uh, dealing with the Senate, waiting for this uh, moment. And I think his big picture that really makes sense with Sith philosophy and, and starts to burble up in lots of canon places in comic books, in uh, that great Tarkin novel is he wants unlimited power. And the first thing is he gets this galaxy and that's not going to be enough. And he wants more. And he's already looking to uh, w- what are the paths through the, uh, the chaos, the unknown region into the chaos, into uh, further galaxies and the things I sense there is there any way I could own the past and the future through some, you know, secret uh, temple of the past, the world between worlds. What else can, what other worlds or versions of reality that I can find that I can own? That's his whole thing, right? Uh, in the Death Star is this ball of fear that is going to just lock down this can and contain this galaxy that I think he's already a little bored of. Of Like, I kind of, like you were saying, like, I kind of have it for the most part. There's this uh, tedious little annoying rebellion that's kind of troublesome, you know, troublesome, but Vader's mostly dealing with that. Tarkin's dealing with that. As soon as the Death Star is up, uh, the the Senate's kind of annoying. As soon as the Death Star is up and I can rule through absolute fear, this galaxy is locked down. And I think that's where his uh, focus is. And, uh, you know, Leia... Uh, being captured, uh, being a member of the Senate is great propaganda to say, look, the Senate's the Senate's all traitors now, too. <laughs> Just like right. the Jedi, too many traitors. And functionally, I don't need you anymore because any planet will do what I tell you to when my giant space gun is pointed at you. So I think he is in this place of just being utterly cocky, thrilled that he can finally get rid of the Senate, get rid of that pretense, and I think we kind of know canonically he's not aware of Luke, um, you know, that he's not aware of the son of Skywalker. And in general, I love what you're saying of uh, of he's also just he knows the rebellion is a problem and he knows it can't get too much support or it's going to become a problem. But with his worldview, he doesn't consider people like the Urso's threats. Right. He thinks mm-hmm. that uh, fear and hate can break them and every time Palpatine fails it's because he can't imagine you know compassion and love and redemption being a thing (laughs) and he keeps you know suffering for it yeah no I that look I I am I am in the camp of I don't know if I 100% needed that to be the reason for the Death Star you know Death Star's weakness, right? I, I don't know if I, especially after first seeing Rogue One, I don't know if I needed that, but the more I think about it, the more I just love Jyn Erso as a character, and, and I love the scene with her father, and I love what Galen decided to do. It does line up to just what you're describing. Like, this would bring down the 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 Empire. Love, loyalty, uh, to family, uh, redemption. Again, Galen knows this is something he needs to do to make things right. He talks about that with Bodhi Rook. So that lines up, and, and that's something that Palpatine just, he can't, he can't account for over and over and over. 
Yeah. And even if you're somebody who is like not sure about, you know, the, this new canon that that uh, that Galen built this uh, this weakness and then the, the rebels find the way to explore it, which is the exhaust port, even in just a new hope, it's still this story of I built the biggest gun ever uh, and no armada can possibly destroy it. Um, I don't consider a bunch of small fighters, some ramshackle fighters put together to be a threat you know that that's like the original metaphor of the original film of the they they left this uh exhaust port open because they don't consider they only considered this big hateful full front attack they never you know considered this sort of small rebellion approach to destroying it they never never considered hope being a weapon the exhaust port is a hubris hole (laughs) Uh, the best use of our favorite word here at Force Center. It's always the word of the day here at Force Center. Hubris. Uh, we're going to move on to our, our questions on Patreon. You ready, Ken? I am. Uh, Mac asks, if you could watch a documentary-style movie show on any seemingly mundane profession in the Star Wars universe, what would you choose? As an Uber driver myself, I may be partial, but I would love to see something about Uber uh, cab-style drivers on Coruscant. You know they would have some wild stories about politicians and maybe even a Jedi or two who maybe shouldn't have had that second death stick. That is a a great uh, picture, a great pitch for a Star Wars documentary from Mac. What are your thoughts, uh, Ken, on that documentary or the one that you would make? I would, I'd love, you know, I, I was thinking, yeah, I always love stories of, of the pod race and like, could you just focus on the pit droids or something, especially when you see them show back up in Mando, like that, those, those, there's something about those wacky kooky droids I'd love to learn more about. But my answer officially, Joseph, is uh, the caretakers. On oh, I want like a national geographic style travel <laughs> log to this uh, ancient uh, sacred world and the caretakers wake up every day and make sure that there's no laser blasts <laughs> in the cabins there. You can go into the lost and found where Luke's uh, green lightsaber probably is, you know, I, I want, I want that story. Oh yeah. I, I would love Dayton, David Attenborough to narrate exactly where the caretakers have uh, put Luke's green lightsaber. That would be amazing. I love that. Uh, yeah, I love I love Max Pitch. Uh, I went back and I rewatched the little scene uh, from Clone Wars. It is in the final arc with Fives, where we meet the uh, cab driver on Coruscant, Jay Igno, and it's it's kind of what Mac is describing. It he's he uh, there's this great thing where he's like, I hear a lot of stories. Uh, he, he's like asking those kind of invasive questions that uh, this sort of stereotypical in a movie or TV show cab driver asks when fives clearly just wants to be left alone and fives like oh you've heard some interesting stories i do you ever hear about you know people being engineered to kill their best friends their leaders and he's like ah yeah i've heard lots of things like that <laughs> really funny uh jake no and it makes me really uh think this is a great idea i think for myself the documentary i would like is i always like the uh real life like books uh that are from the perspective of somebody who went a lot of places and met a lot of uh, famous people. Uh, and was maybe like, oh, I'm, I'm not that big of a deal. So I, I was thinking I would like to follow in like a book or a documentary, a politician's protocol droid. Like maybe during the waning days of the Republic uh, where they got to go to different planets, meet different people and kind of like the inside gossip, like, you know, protocol droid tells all. Mm, yeah. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there you go, Mac. Uh, we got our taxi show. Uh, we got a uh, protocol droid tells all, but most importantly, 
<laughs> we have a, the nature documentary all about the caretakers. Once a month, their husbands return from the sea. <laughs> yes, they are nuns married to pirates. And they dance. They dance the night away. <laughs> the mating ritual has begun. <laughs> uh, anyway, I uh, can't go too far down that road or I will stay there forever. <laughs> Our final question is from uh, Simon Huffnagel. Simon says, in recent... <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure Simon hears that all the time and I, I, I did not mean to do that. Anyway, in recent podcasts... You have explored places like Obi-Wan's hut of exposition and Palpatine's box of manipulations, locations where characters have conveyed some form of information of great importance. My question is, what would your own personal blank of blank be? Is in what Star Wars location would you choose for your own important dialogue scene and what is the purpose of your diatribe? Uh, that is really great, Simon. Thank you for this question. And it's a great commercial for uh, our deep dive show coming out on Thursday of this week, which is going to be Palpatine's Lab of Horrors, talking about the opening scene in Rise of Skywalker and celebrating Halloween because it's a spooky scene. Uh, this is a great question, Ken. What's your answer? So I just I just changed what I wrote down here to to make it make even more sense to me. Uh, it is Ken's lunch counter of solitude. Right. <laughs> um, to explain, this could be at Dexter's uh, diner. It could. It could also be at, at Chalman's Cantina if they serve food. Um, I am partial. I, I not only the lockdown changed that, of course, but even uh, it's been a long time since I worked my old day job where one of my favorite things to do was you know, to get away to one of the many uh, chain restaurant bars on property, not have a drink, but go have lunch. And I'm one of those weird, mostly old guys that sits at the end of the bar counter having, you know, a full on lunch by himself, just staring up at the TV, occasionally maybe chatting with the, the bartender uh, and just kind of being, being with myself, being with myself. <laughs> and, and you can learn a lot. About me, and you might want to sit down and join with I. You know, would have friends come by, or even sometimes, uh, you know, the employees would run it. Hey, we got the, we got this going on, and I'd and I'd manage things from that bar counter <laughs> lunch. So I'd be there. What would you want to convey? Leave me alone, or <laughs> I mean, that's generally the spirit of me, anyways. Um, you know, uh, I just didn't want to go on. I I don't want to go on Octo. I just you know, Luke will already be there, anyways. But yeah, no, it was, you could come, you could come, I'd hold court, you know, you could come, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be there for a long time, you know, I'm working, but like I was, I was on call. I was a salary guy. So, so, you know, even when I'm, even when I'm eating, I'm, I'm working. So it was like, it was a nice spot to just relax by myself in a social setting where there often would be people and you maybe have a conversation on, uh, about a sports game you're seeing there. And then you, you can learn about people and you can learn about me. So that would be what I would con convey is, uh, you know, keep to myself, but I'm ready to help when asked. Okay. So you would want to be there willing and able to give out, uh, empathy or wisdom, but also perfectly content to be left alone. So like whatever other people need and want, you want to be there for. Yes. It's a little like Luke going to crate. I'm not going to leave my red Robin, uh, salad, chicken tender salad, but I, <laughs> I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. That's a nice emotional place uh, to be in. Uh, before the old pandemic, I had started <laughs> writing at uh, the bar at uh, Musso and Frank more often. I I would go and I would get a uh, cocktail and I would have my little uh, 
notebook and I would be jotting down those notes. But then if somebody wanted to talk to me, I'd be happy to chat about yeah. whatever, about a movie or, you know, and, and that would happen every once in a while. But then sometimes I went, I just, I would mostly say hello to the bartender and I would drink and I would write and it's up to other people (laughs) whether they want to talk to me. It's an interesting, uh, you know, emotional space to be in of like, I'm open, but I'm not asking of anything from anybody around me. Yeah. It's one of my, it's one of my absolute favorite things to do. Uh, It's uh, so same with Mark Ellis. We'll often do it together and not talk to each other. We'll just go sit. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, that is a power in and of itself to eat silently with friends. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, well, I came up with something that's uh, v- uh, pretty much the opposite. It's the opposite. Uh, <laughs> you could say Well, because the way that Simon uh, asked this, he, he, you know, he asked about, you know, the purpose of your diatribe. And I think I really took that on of like, where would I want to be where I would have an agenda? Because like a lot of these scenes we've talked about, like one character really has an agenda that there's something they want uh, to motivate out of the other character. Um so the thing that I thought about is uh, the amphitheater of the Jedi. Now, I, I have to believe somewhere on Coruscant, uh, there is some sort of like natural amphitheater. And uh, I, I would want to be, you know, recorded uh, for, for cameras to go out to all the uh, hollow networks. But there's something about, you know, actually orating in person in like a, you don't even need a microphone because it's a natural amphitheater and your voice is projected if you sit, stand right in the center. Uh, and the reason I thought of this is I feel like a lot of the problems in uh, the galaxy uh, post uh, galactic civil war come down to just a lack of history. So mm-hmm. I would love to be able to give like uh, a part historical speech, part performance, like a short speech performance. Here's who the Jedi were. Here's who the Sith were. Here's why a lot of these things are happened, you know, have happened. This is why they shouldn't happen again. This is why you should care. This is why you shouldn't let the Sith hide in legend. You should always be aware of them and like try to get people like on the side of knowledge is power. And we can't let these things be mysteries that we need to bring them out into the light so they don't happen again. That's that's powerful. Where I'm just over there having a salad. <laughs> you win this round. You win this round. Well, mm, mm, well, that's what I feel I should do. I, I would enjoy performing. But look, uh, yours is more honest. Because if I did just show up in the Star Wars galaxy, I would just go like, where's, where's the nearest bar? <laughs> where's the Outlander Club? Because I'm, I'm just going to go uh, have a seat at the bar. Uh, yep. they're, they're powerful in its own way. And uh, given the history of Star Wars you would probably have a more important conversation uh, just sitting at the bar and having a fateful encounter with somebody who needs your wisdom than I would uh, yelling in the middle of Coruscant. Mostly I'll probably just be talking to Boshek, but you know, (laughs) but who knows how Boshek might still change the galaxy. Uh, Those are our questions this week from Simon, Mac, Derek, Joey. We got a bunch of great questions on Twitter and uh, Patreon. So a ton more to come. That is great stuff. If you want to reach out to us uh, have a with a question or join the conversation, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Joseph will put out calls uh, also on our Patreon page as well. Uh, we'll come to that in a second. Pa- our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, so like, subscribe, do all the things you need to over there. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. 
Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And as I said, you can support us on patreon.com slash force center. Always excited to have new patrons over there. We're, we're making uh, plans for rewards and special shows and you make our dreams come true. And as always, just tell a friend about force center. That is even uh, better of a way to support us. Get the <laughs> word out. Get the word out. Uh, we have our own things that we work on outside of the Star Wars world. You can find all about that uh, by going to KenNapsock.com for me or follow him uh, at KenNapsock. i uh, got a lot of things going on, uh, things to announce, things working on, a lot of fun things that we always like to highlight. Um, charities are things that are close to our heart. And uh, this week I'm going to continue with something we talked about last week. Our friend Kevin Smets, a lot of you know him for the movie Trivia Schmodown. He also is one who edits those in-memoriam videos on our YouTube channel, and he put together the uh, Knights of the Old Republic series, the fan series. He's working on the Rev one. A lot of you, a lot of you know Kevin. You've heard him here in Force Center before. He's battling stage three colon cancer. He's in for a tough fight, but he has uh, got a great spirit and great approach. And and uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel if you just keep uh, working for that tunnel and 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 working through it. And one of the things that uh, can, can affect that is a financial burden. So Paul Preston, the movie guys uh, set up a GoFundMe for him and they're very close to reaching their goals. So we're highlighting it here today. Uh, GoFundMe.com slash F slash smash cancer help Kevin Smets. Uh, You can search there and find it and support if you want to uh, help uh, relieve some of that stress of the financial side of the fight that he's got going forward. We love Kevin and support him. And that's uh, close to our heart here at Force Center. Joseph, where can they find you and what's on your mind? Yeah, you can uh, find me. Uh, my website is josephscrimshaw.com. You got links to uh, comedy albums and an old comedy book I wrote and that adult swim show I work on, TikTok, all sorts of stuff. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And the thing that is close to my heart right now is just voting. I know so many people have already voted, but I know also that uh, life is busy and it, there's a lot of information. And I think the website IWillVote.com is great because it's a great place to find out all the options that you have for voting in your specific area and all the things that might be on your ballot if you don't have access to it yet and all that kind of great thing. So I want to recommend IWillVote.com. That is a great, great thing. Yes, yes. Um, Very important. Uh, So make a plan to vote if you haven't already. I know a lot of people have. I have too, and it uh, just feels good overall, but also um, very Very important time to get out there and vote. Thanks for highlighting that, Joseph. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your questions. We appreciate the support. At the end of this week, it's hard to believe we got new Star Wars with the Mandalorian. So fire up your your child waffles, your child crock pot, your (laughs) child coffee, uh, maybe some child chips and salsa. I don't know what they got. We'll see. Uh, We'll uh, talk to you next week after we know more about Season 2 of The Mandalorian. We'll see you next time. This was Force Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 